whoa, 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 hang on a moment. Yes, you know what time it is. This is Jen, your host, and this podcast is all about taking agency and owning yourself. And every week on this show, I'm going to help you use your voice, stand in your power, and operate from a place of self. Hey, it's time again. It's your weekly dose of Hang On A Moment, where we talk about having agency and owning yourself. So this week, we have a super duper topic, which is right up there with how to have agency and own yourself. And this is all about becoming a master of self-advocacy. So what is self-advocacy? Well, self-advocacy is the action of basically representing yourselves, your views and your interests. And basically, in other words, speaking up for yourself. And as we go through life, there are going to be multiple scenarios where you will need to adopt this skill if you want to have agency and own yourself and take responsibility for the way that your life goes. Some of this might feel hard. Some of this might feel quite stressful and some of it might feel downright fearful. So what I'm going to do today is talk you through what it is how we do it and why it's super important. So, of course, this ties into the whole theme of this podcast. You know, hang on a moment. Exactly. We want to be telling people to just wait a second. I have something that I really need to say. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So it's not just about identifying your own needs. It's about being able to communicate them clearly and let others know what you need from them to improve a situation that's affecting you. Or you might be advocating for others, but this is all about self-advocacy. So in this particular podcast, we're talking about how do you stand up for yourself and speak up for yourself to improve your personal situation. So it doesn't have to be in a formal capacity. You know, we're not talking about owning your own case in a court of law, although I will mention that towards the end. Um, We're talking here about really just having that agency and owning yourself, being able to um, speak up for what you believe and actually engineer situations that go in your favor, favor. So, you know, you are entitled to that. Let's make no bones about this. This is your life and you are entitled to have situations that work for you. If a situation isn't working for you, then that's going to be an awful compromise. And actually what you're going to be doing in that situation is a disservice to yourself that's potentially going to dysregulate your health, as I like to often refer to, because we need to be aware of you know, the opposite of not having agency and owning ourselves. We become, um, you know, potentially a victim of life. We get pulled into other people's ways and other people's worlds and ours becomes secondary and that's not how we want to live. So self-advocacy is a master skill that you must, you must develop to have a successful life on your terms. So as I said, it doesn't have to be in a formal capacity. So some examples of when you might need to demonstrate self-advocacy is clearly in the work environment. And this could be either speaking up to your manager, your director, the CEO, or you might have to go and speak to HR. And ultimately, you know, this is about something that's affecting you as an individual. So it could be something to do with your workload, your pay, the hours, a challenge that you're either facing or that you're not being given enough of, career plans or a problem with some kind of interpersonal relations with either that particular person that you're raising this with or somebody else, but you want to garner their support or you want to go to them as almost like the intermediary um, party to try and resolve any kind of conflict or issues that are happening in the workplace. So yeah, it Definitely, this skill is definitely a must for the workplace, particularly as you develop in your career. Also, an area that, um, you know, is very appropriate for self-advocacy, and I have used this myself, 
um, is with a healthcare practitioner um, and about pursuing a course of action. And I actually had to self-advocate a lot when I was in severe pain and prior to my cancer diagnosis, I was, you know, fobbed off quite a bit by my GP and this can happen to a quite number of us. And, you know, ultimately, if it wasn't for me self-advocating to actually go through certain checks and measures, I may not have had my cancer caught in time. And, you know, I could have been a further stage down the line with my cancer that might have made it either inoperable or untreatable. So it's absolutely imperative that we self-advocate around our healthcare. And, you know, my example was pushing for um, um, endoscopies when I had pains in my stomach because I wanted for them to check whether there was an issue internally because I wasn't happy with the conversations I was having about what it potentially was. It, it actually was bowel cancer and the tumour was identified during those endoscopies. But ultimately, um, I was told that it was IBS. And that is a common one for people who have bowel cancer. So you must self-advocate in these situations because, you know, to not coin a phrase, it is a matter of life or death. So we don't want to beat around the bush in these situations. But you might want to move away from like healthcare practitioners um, or providers and even your um, employment. And you might be thinking about situations that are closer to home, like your family, so, for example, I had to advocate for myself a few times in my life where I have had to ask my family not to put any pressure on me, not to come to me to help them because I have been going through some scenarios where I was not able to give that support and I wanted them to understand exactly why I needed them to respect that. And of course, you know, that worked and my family were very supportive but I think sometimes when you're going through your own crap, you need to let people know that it is not okay for them to ask you to help them with theirs. In normal circumstances, of course, it's your family you will do, but certain times you want to say no. And sometimes, you know, you have to, have to advocate for that because sometimes you can say no and that doesn't get heard. So again, that will generally work out okay if you have a very good and understanding family. But it can also occur with your partner as well. So, you know, you might be in a situation where your your relationship isn't really giving you what you need. It's not aligning to your happiness, but it's not really anything that can't be sorted out if a few changes are made. So you're not looking to end the relationship, but what you're looking to do is actually, you know, self-advocate. Now, we're talking here about a very normal relationship that might have broken down or started to fail in a few areas. There are other relationships, which I have been in, where they are abusive relationships, and that can be physically, emotionally, and in other ways as well. And it is super important that you advocate for yourself in those situations. However, I recognize that sometimes you could be at risk for doing that. And therefore, you may need to find some support to help you advocate for yourself because the first and foremost situation in anything that we do in our life is safety. So safety always comes first. So yeah, advocating for yourself in a relationship is super important, but do not put your safety at risk and therefore get help if you need it. But away from those kind of like relationships or things that really hugely impact us, you know, with our life, with our career, with our health, with our relationships, there are other things as well, you know, that where we want to advocate for ourselves. And, you know, a very simple thing here could just be a service provider and a standard that you're getting from a supplier. You know, I'm sure we can all relate to times where we've had to make a complaint. And, you know, quite often those complaints might have come about because we've actually um, asked in a very you know, peaceful and standard way to have some um, changes or consideration to a certain situation and it hasn't been heard. So, for example, I had a situation like this just before Christmas. I was in a contract with a service provider. Um, the terms of their contract weren't outlined to me in detail, although, yes, I had signed the contract, but it was the small print. And again, this is what we have to be very wary of with suppliers. And ultimately, you know, they were holding me to the contract, even though I felt like I had delivered what I was supposed to be doing. Their small print was very ambiguous. And in the end, we did actually come to a conclusion that worked for both parties. And it was only as a result of me self-advocating. If I'd have just accepted their initial um, pushback, if you like, on the contractual terms 
then I would have not got the situation that I wanted. So sometimes self-advocacy is also about negotiating to get a better position than you might have if you don't self-advocate. You might not get the desired position, but you'll definitely move somewhere forward. So we need to think about that. But another area that's super important as well is equality. So again, you can't really put like a thing with that, but it could happen in all parts of life. You know, it could happen in a club that you're in. It could happen in a gym that you go to. It could happen in the workplace. And, you know, this is about anything to do with lack of unfairness, lack of inequality. And that could be witnessed as witnessed or as perceived because with things like um, equality, it is, you know, also about um, subliminal discrimination as well as actual and obvious. So again, we need to advocate for ourselves in those scenarios. So, you know, I've taken 10 minutes there explaining how and when we need to advocate you know, it's a really important skill. As you can see, we need it in all areas of our life and really at all parts in our life, at all times in our life. It's not something that we need to flex, you know, when we're older or a younger person or, you know, at this part in our life or at this part in life, it can come up at any time. So having uh, the skill of self-advocacy and being able to become a master at this is super important to make sure that your life goes in the way that you wish it to go. And it is therefore beneficial in all areas of life. And for me, I would like to say that self-advocacy is the point when you rise to the challenge of self-assertion. So you feel that you are not being served correctly by whoever that corresponding Um, relationship is with and therefore you need to self-assert yourself so that you can actually deliver your point of view and make sure you get results. So self-advocacy is the point that you rise to the challenge of self-assertion. And, you know, it might be that you do this following a lack of reasonable support or response to previous requests where you've gone through a very simple, standard, straightforward process that hasn't really felt like you were self-advocating because it was just part of a normal process and you were just responding in a normal way. But actually, it wasn't getting listened to. It was being ignored or your responses or your queries or um, your suggestions were really just being cast aside. And of course, for yourself, that's not going to help. So, you know, we can talk about ways to, you know, make some real radical moves around self-advocacy. That can be things like going through the complaints procedure that can be taking somebody to Um, to court that can be a full-on petition that can be lobbying that can be a resignation or an exit um, from a relationship you know we've talked in the past about quiet quitting you know we don't want to do quiet quitting anyway because it doesn't serve you but in your head you might have felt for a short period of time that actually you know I'm checked out I am ready to go and you might have given little sound bites of that scenario to the other party and they have ignored it You might have given them some very constructive feedback in a very low-key manner and they have ignored it. And this is the point when you then move into self-advocacy. So as I said, it might be to reach a negotiated outcome that works for both parties. It could just be trying to find your golden place because ultimately this is about what works for you so of course as I talk through how to do this I will explain you know the best way to to move forward through self-advocacy um but the golden rule the golden rule here is again as I've said it's the point that you rise to the challenge of self-assertion so it's about understanding what your needs are so as much as we might negotiate with the other party and as much as we might come to a solution that works for both parties the primary The primary reason for self-advocacy is for yourself, okay? Obviously, the clue is in it, (laughs) self-advocacy. So let's go into how do we do this? Because some people might not know where to start with self-advocacy. Some people might feel absolutely beaten down by a situation and haven't got a clue how to get this even off the ground. And the key part, the the biggest part of self-advocacy is knowing what you need. So being very clear on your own needs. And so that might come from having a vision 
for your life or that part of it. So it might be having a vision for your health, having a vision for your career, have a vision for your family dynamics, have having a vision for the kind of relationship you want. And underneath that vision will sit things like boundaries and standards. So and values. So basically what things are important to you in those areas will dictate the kind of values that you want the other people to demonstrate and the values that you're prepared to demonstrate, the kind of standards that are acceptable and the boundaries. So we will cover all of this in a later episode because it is another super important topic on its own right. But actually this creates some real no-no's. And it all creates also creates some yeses. And so you can then feel completely in your body, whether you feel that you are in this place or you are not in this place, because you know that it exactly aligns to what you want. So you must be really clear on what your own needs are, because if you're not, how can you self-advocate? That's the end goal. The end goal is to get to what you need. So sitting underneath the vision, the boundaries, the standards and the values will come your objectives and your goals. So obviously, once we know exactly what we want, we then need to understand, okay, how do we get there? And also, you know, what is our definitive goal from this, this particular piece of self-advocacy? What do we want from this? So for example, going back to my situation with the healthcare practitioner, my example was that I wanted to have an endoscopy so that I was not continued to be told that it was IBS and I was also not put on the back burner while my potential health issue, because at that time I never knew it was cancer, I never dreamed it was cancer, but while my potential health issue was festering and actually be getting worse. So my goal and my objective was to get this identified ASAP, no messing around. I wasn't prepared to wait. And I am aware of a number of people in the cancer community, particularly in the bowel cancer, the colon cancer community, because obviously I fell into that community when I got diagnosed, who also had to self-advocate for these checks, these checks and measures. So it's quite common, but you know, you need to know what is your goal and what is your objective. So that's the first thing you need to do. You know, you might want to write this down. You might just know it off the top of your head. Um, I certainly didn't write it down because I knew exactly what my goal and my objective was. But if you're not sure, if you just know that something isn't serving you, you might want to do this work. So self-advocacy comes from self-worth and knowing your own value. And obviously that ties into that piece of work that you've just done around your vision, your boundaries, your standards, your values, your goals and your objectives. If you know what they are, it's easier to understand what your value is. Okay, so you need to recognize this. And if you don't feel as though you're being acknowledged, then go away and get clear on what your own value is because you might not know. Some people don't. Some people really struggle with self-worth and self-value and actually it's just a pen and paper exercise. It might be hard. It might feel a bit icky. It might feel tough and it might feel like, how the hell do I even go into this? But if you just sit down and write down some of those things, Start by writing down, you know, your vision, your boundaries, your standards, your values, your goals and your objectives. That's then going to get you a very clear picture of what your self-worth is and what your own value is. And of course, as well as understanding what it is that you are looking for, you know, you might want to also, well, you will definitely want to also understand what you bring to the table. So your value is something that not only you desire to be um, reciprocated or acknowledged, but also you know that you are clear on what you bring to that scenario. So for example, with a healthcare practitioner, you know, you are a member of the society, the community that contributes towards the taxes that pay for that healthcare. And this is something that in the UK, we are given as part of our taxes. So of course, that's what we bring to the table. You are a citizen of the country. You are, yes, a statistic, but a valuable statistic. And you don't want to be one of those negative statistics that arises on their data for that local area, because they were not listening to your needs. So you are a valuable human being and a citizen of this country. The same if you're working with uh, an employer, you're a valuable employee. You know what you bring to the table, you know what you do, you know what your role is, you know what you deliver, you know what you convey. So, you know, really lean into that. 
The same if you're working with a service provider. At the end of the day, that service would not exist if it wasn't for their customers. So you are a customer and that's super valuable. You put money in their bank. You put food on their table because you are a customer of theirs. And therefore, you know, that's what you bring to the table. But also, you know, if you know that you're a good employee, if you know that you're a good citizen, if you know that you're a good customer and you've done everything that you needed to do to abide by the rules, the policies, the procedures, and, you know, generally you're a good person, you haven't done anything that's kind of negged them out in any way about you then, you know, that's what you bring to the table. So again, as I said, this might feel hard to do. It might be a bit difficult to do. You can get a coach. Obviously, I offer this service, but you can get a coach to support you. If that's not an option, just get a good friend, but make sure you find somebody who is objective and isn't just going to tell you what you need to hear. Of course, you need a cheerleader. You want a champion. You want somebody in your corner. You want someone to get the information out of you, but you also need somebody to help you be objective and not just, you know, blow smoke up your backside or tell you things that you need to hear because ultimately you know this is about the real picture what do you bring to the table and what is your value and of course we all bring loads to the table and we're also really valuable so that is going to be a great conversation to have with your coach or your friend the next thing to really really cultivate this whole approach to self-advocacy is self-awareness so we've just talked about that you know work out what you bring to the table If you are going to be having a conversation with somebody in any capacity about something that you want to work in your favor or you want to challenge that something is done in a different way or you want to push for something that isn't currently happening, then you need to understand what do you bring to the table. And that really means recognizing what are your strengths and your weaknesses. Because as I've always said, we all have strengths and we all have understrengths, which is basically another word for weaknesses, but I prefer the understrengths because, yeah, they are a weakness, but understrengths means that it's just something that you're not that great at. And we can't always be brilliant at everything. So if you recognize that, if you have a good level of self-awareness, that's going to help you position your argument. You know, for better or for worse, you need to know whether you're not so great at things. But of course, you know, this is really all about bigging yourself up and understanding everything that you offer and what you bring and who you are and what tools you've got at your disposal and the reason for making this powerful request for things to change. So, you know, we are going to cover self-awareness at a later episode. This is definitely a key area that we need to look at. But, you know, actually by understanding this, it gives you a very clear negotiation power that you won't have if you don't understand who you are and what you bring to the table. So if you're negotiating, you really need to know what is in your um, toolkit to help you with that negotiation. So the other thing as well is like, if you're asking for something really big, let's say you are going to your healthcare provider and you're asking for something that is just impossible for them to do, or is possible, but it's something that might be given to people under certain circumstances or the same with your employer, You need to understand um, what it is that that party sees in you as well. So it's not just about self-awareness. It's about what other people see, you know, and perception is reality. So it's almost like if you're going to your boss and asking for a pay rise because you think you deserve it, but actually it's quite evidential that perhaps you're not performing, you're not delivering to the targets that you've set, your 360 degree feedback is, is not great for most people, you know, it's substandard. Um, you don't have any bargaining power then because obviously, you know, this this person you're going to speak to has got another perception of you that is different to yours. So you have to have self-awareness because otherwise you can't negotiate with people about things that are going to work for you. You need to know where you're at. And also, you know, as I said, that's about you need to understand how you're being received as well from the other party. And, you know, a key thing that can really help with self-awareness, and again, we'll talk about this in another episode, is regular feedback. So again, if you can kind of like just keep focusing on feedback, that's really going to help you with having agency and owning yourself, absolutely going to help you with moving things in your direction in life. So you definitely need to have a lot of self-awareness. But another thing that you need to have when you're going for self-advocacy in any area of life is is a good level of emotional intelligence. So again, you guessed it episode to follow. We will be talking about this in more detail at a later date. 
But one of the things with emotional intelligence is to make sure that you are self-regulated emotionally. So one of the ways that you can actually do this, and again, you can do this prior to perhaps writing a letter, prior to perhaps sending an email, prior to having a meeting, prior to making a, a phone call about something that you're, you know, pushing for that affects you. You can do some grounding techniques. When you are grounded, This gives you a much greater chance of being able to really think through what you're trying to say and convey your options very clearly. If you go in as a hot mess (laughs) and you have no idea of how you're being perceived, but you're crying and there's steam coming out of your ears and your words are all over the place, how is that person going to receive you with the level of dignity and power that you want them to receive you as, they won't. So you must have a good level of emotional intelligence and be self-regulated. As I said, the grounding techniques work really well for this and you can Google. I probably won't cover that on one of these episodes because it's not very specifically something I want to go into, but you can find grounding techniques all across the internet or you can work with a therapist or a coach to help you with that. Another thing as well with the, you know, the emotional intelligence is actually having empathy towards others. So you might not necessarily, underneath it all, if you're going to be really blunt here, you might not really care about the other party. Now, if it's somebody you've got a relationship with, like um, a partner, a family member, a friend, of course you will. If it's a service provider, you know, it's more of a transactional relationship. It's not an emotional relationship. But you actually still also need to consider their point of view. Your goal is to get what you want. But you can't, you know, you can't dismiss that they will also have a viewpoint and their own needs. So it's something that we need to do, whether it's with a supplier or whether it's with somebody that we know or whether it's with our boss or anybody in the workplace, we need to understand what their viewpoint is and we need to have a bit of empathy towards them. We don't want to go in there, you know, coal-faced and ready for some kind of vicious attack. That's not what we're doing this for. So we definitely need to have that level of emotional intelligence. And then one of the things that can really help you with this, and it's absolutely essential for fighting your case and standing in your power and holding on to your deepest desires is evidence and facts-based data. So, you know, again, it's all going to depend on the scenario and why you are having this conversation and with whom as to what kind of information you need. But it could be factual evidence. It could be data that you've collated from a certain situation. It could be um, news articles. It could be something that you've read that says this is happening to others. For example, like with my um, endoscopies, you know, I, I could have, I didn't, but if I really wanted to and I hadn't got movement when I first asked and desired for my endoscopies to happen, I could have gone away and I could have looked at some of the statistics and I could have gone back and presented that evidence and that would have helped my case and developed a stronger sense of power in my self-advocacy. Another thing you can do, like if you're talking to your employer, for example, about overtime, working long hours or not getting the right kind of pay for the work that you're putting in, you know, you can create your own um, data here yourself. You know, you can do a timesheet. You can also um, create a diary of, you know, dates and times that you worked. Or you might want to be talking about a relationship that you're having with somebody in the workplace. You might just want to note that down in your diary. You know, if something's happened, make a note of it. Keep a time log so that you've got a record of everything that's happened. Also, you know, there might be some other case studies where what's actually happening to you in the work environment has happened to somebody else. But it actually developed into something that was way more um, detrimental to both parties and potentially yeah, the employer as well, because of course they want to work from a level of of risk management as well. So, you know, those things really help you. It really builds a more robust picture for the other party as well. So, you know, it's not just like an emotional request that you're making, you're actually making a very rational fact-based database decision. And it makes it a lot easier for other people to go away and actually work from this. So, You know, again, the key thing here, what I wanted to add is imagine that you went into a court of law about a case that was happening. You would never, ever see a court case happen without evidence, you know, and that can be a witness 
a witness statement that can be documents from the scene or you know um artifacts or um or you know anything that's happened that can be a time a date log it can be cctv footage so again you know if you think about anything that's happening in a court of law where a barrister um is advocating for their client then you know there's there's no case without any evidence so you need to have that evidence okay this is where we start talking a little bit more about the interpersonal side of things because you're really going to have some to find some courage here. And sometimes, you know, courage can actually come from being quite vulnerable as well. So it's okay to actually talk about how you really feel in some of these scenarios. For example, again, if I refer back to the situation with my healthcare practitioner, I cried. I cried and I demanded that I have the endoscopy. I said I was in severe pain and I actually gave an ultimatum as well. I actually said, if I don't get this support from you, I am going to go to A&E and ask them to do this. And that was when my, you know, my GP, my healthcare practitioner listened to me and, you know, escalated me through the relevant um, processes. So again, you know, you need to be able to have courage to speak your voice. Do not back down because this is super important to you. So, you know, even if you're not sure if you're being assertive, because look, I'm going to drop another truth bomb, right? As much as it's great to be assertive at all times, as much as that makes us a brilliant, all well-rounded, polished individual, we can't always be assertive. Sometimes we are passive and it stinks. And sometimes we are aggressive and that's also awful. But sometimes situations drive that force in us. They drive us to be a little bit timid or they drive us to be, you know, our fight or flight puts us into either timid behavior or puts us into a situation where we are ready for a fight. And so we become quite aggressive. So you can't always be assertive. So, you know, the key thing in these situations is it's better to say nothing, sorry, it's better to say something than nothing at all. So if you cannot be assertive by using your voice, still use your voice. At least you've said it. You know, you can fine tune this over time. I would rather somebody was aggressive with somebody and got their point across, across than actually not said it at all and then suffered the consequences, which could be, you know, any, you know, huge list of, of consequences. So it's better to say it. And again, you know, I'm going to talk about assertive communication in future episodes because this is really important with having agency and owning yourself. But we can't always be, you know, amazing at this all the time in every scenario. So just say it, just get it out there. Just have the courage to speak. Do not back down. The one thing I would say though, is if you can, if you can, and I'm going to put my hand up here, I am going to put my hand up here and say, I can't categorically say that every single time I've had to stand in my power with somebody that I haven't done this. I have done this. I have done this. And afterwards I've walked away and I thought, actually, I I didn't like the way that I behaved. I didn't like the way that that came across. And I've really, you know, sunk into a little bit of self-doubt. So for your own sake, I would suggest to try and not be rude and try and not be arsy because actually what that means is you're going to put the other person's back up and that could take away your power. So we all do it. I've done it. I probably will still do it on occasions. As I said, we're never perfect. We're flawed individuals. We are humans. <laughs> but for your own sake, try to not be rude or aggressive or arsy because it really does always get the backup of the other person, you know, and and you will walk away feeling like, I didn't do my best. I wasn't, mm, I didn't feel great. However, as I've said, if it gets things moving, it doesn't matter. Just suck it up, buck up, and then next time you can refine it. So, you know, try and do your best, but just have the courage to speak your voice and do not back down. The other thing as well is don't just rely on written or verbal self-advocacy, you know, so don't just put it in an email or send a letter, you know, don't just say it over the phone or have a meeting. Think about other things as well, like what is your body language saying? Are you confident? You know, are you demonstrating confidence is someone going to buy into you because of the way that you are standing the way that you are sitting the way that you are looking at them you know these are really important things to convey your message these are non-verbal cues and non-verbal 
communication methods. Also your personal appearance, you know, if you're going into a meeting with somebody and you turn up looking like you don't know what day it is and you haven't had a shower for three months, how are they going to take you serious? You know, so that's a slight exaggeration, but you know, it's like actually, you know, perception is reality. And if you turn up and you look polished and you look great, I mean, imagine again, going to court, if you were in court, if you were actually the person that was in court for actually having committed a crime, you know, they are, they're always in a suit. They're always best dressed dapper. And, you know, actually it's a bit silly because if the evidence is fully against them, but they still turn up showing themselves in their best light, you know, it's always in your best interest to create a good personal appearance. And also have some authority and intelligence on the areas that you're talking about. If you know what you want, if you've done everything that you've needed to do to understand what you need, who you are, what you bring to the table, and you've got some evidence and data to weight your decision, then you're going to have authority and you're going to have intelligence. And the person who is listening to you is not going to be able to walk away or do nothing about your argument because it's going to be solid. And that's what you need. You need a real solid argument through authority and intelligence and integrity. So also, you know, don't give up. When you're advocating for yourself, sometimes you've got to repeat the message so it's understood and not just heard. Sometimes people can hear what you're saying, but they don't get it. Sometimes people can hear what you're saying and it's just lip service. But you need to keep going, especially if you're not getting any results. So one of the things that you can do around how to make this happen in a way that is a very structured approach is use timeframes and guides for each request. So it might be using smart objectives. That means it's a very specific, it's measurable, it's achievable, it's realistic and it's time bound. Or the other person, they might have SLAs. So if you're dealing with HR, if you're dealing with a supplier, if you're dealing with a healthcare practitioner, they probably will have a procedure that explains what their timelines are for getting back to you on certain things. But if that isn't in place, set them yourself and make sure they're clear. Let people know, make it very specific. What is your request? Make it measurable, you know, tell them that basically, you know, this is what I want to see make it achievable. So again, we're not asking for something that can't happen. We're asking for something that's within our power to self-advocate for and make it realistic and also time bound. So, you know, I am a massive fan of whenever I ask somebody to do something because I'm advocating for myself, I always say, I want to see a response within 24 hours or 48 hours. Because actually what you're doing is you're closing down the um the time frame for that and you're making sure it's not going to escalate and go into out of space or you know go outside of the area and the time zone that you're happy for it to be in so you do need to do that the other thing as well is garner your network you know if you don't have one build one now you might not need this for everything but you know in the workplace or in the healthcare situation, or even with a supplier, if everyone's going through the same situation, then there's a problem. So get them to be on your side and you be on theirs. There is massive safety in numbers and there is strength in multiple voices that all want the same outcome. And, you know, it could be, as I said, these people are in a similar position, or it might be that they've been in that position before and they had a great win. And therefore, you can go and ask them for advice and get them to give you an understanding of how they achieve that. So make sure you garner your network. And if you don't have one, build one. Like I said, when I got diagnosed with 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 bowel cancer, you know, and I think it's an amazing thing, you know, for the amount of times that I might talk down about social media, absolutely, Instagram community for bowel cancer, like quite literally saved my life when I got diagnosed because all of a sudden I felt like I had people who knew me and understood me and I had people, I wasn't in this situation on my own. So I learned a lot and I gained a lot and I, and I, I felt held. And so that's really, really important where you need to garner your network as well in any of these situations. Again, it might be in the workplace, for example. And then, you know, we're still going, this is quite a long one today and I'm not going to make any apologies about that because it is a real, a real, you know, serious subject really to get what you want out of life and to, to, to live life on your terms. But the other thing we've got to consider with the other party as well is their position in regards to things like what are their values? So we've talked about what ours are. We do have to have a little bit of a, 
you know, awareness of what they want as well. As I said, we can't go in all gung-ho asking for something that is a complete no-no because it's just something that they don't do or it's just something that they don't abide by or it's just something that they don't subscribe to. So we need to know their values. You know, this can be a company's values. It can be an individual's values. We need to know their standards. We need to do any po- know any policies that they might have. What is their process? What is their stance and what is their criteria? So again, like SLAs, KPIs. So again, you know, we're, we're certainly, you know, for example, if we look at the healthcare, they'll always have targets of how many people, you know, they need to be moving through um, certain protocols within a certain time. So, you know, these are things that we need to consider, you know, so we need to have an awareness of that. Again, knowledge is power. So when you're advocating for yourself, understand the other party's situation as well, because that's going to help you get what you need. So, you know, the other thing as well is, um, you know, if, if, if your family and friend or partner, uh, if it's a family or friend or partner, you know, is actually asking them, is, is actually worth, sorry, asking them to share this with you in writing, you know, because actually, let's say you're having a conversation with your partner and you're asking them what their values are, you know, they might just say it off the top of the head. You might want to say to them, I know it sounds a bit kind of like, contrived but you might want to say to them look I really want you to go away and write a list of what your values are and then I'm going to tell you what my values are and let's compare them because then we can actually say well actually where are we going and does this align and can we make any compromises so you know sometimes it's great for other people to write things down as well you want it in writing not just off the top of their head and as I said you know you might want to do this separately you might also want to sit and do it together Sometimes just the act of actually working this through together, that might be you and a friend, it might be you and a family member, like it might be your child, it might be your parent, it might be your sibling. Yeah, just sit and do it together. It doesn't always have to be, self-advocacy doesn't always have to um, uh, bring around friction. Self-advocacy can be something that you do in quite an empowering and loving way with somebody else. So let's make no bones about that. Self-advocacy doesn't have to be about friction and conflict. It can actually be done in a very nice way as well, where you do something together to get through this. So we're near, near the end of how to do this. As I said, this is a really meaty list, but, you know, you might want to try multiple methods of advocacy as well. So, you know, this could be speech. It could be letters. It could be creating a poll. It could be a petition. You know, you've seen probably seen many petitions, especially in the UK, where people can just go and create an online petition for something they feel strongly about. And before you know it, you know, there's 20,000 signatures on there. I remember in lockdown, there was a huge one about the closure of the gyms in the UK. And it was a it was a it was a guy over in a Liverpool gym who kickstarted it, and you know there was this huge, huge, huge petition, and it got heard in 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 you know the Houses of Parliament, and that was because he had self advocacy, and he was advocating for others as well. But people who were signing the petition petition they were self you know they were demonstrating self advocacy. They felt strongly about the case. So, you know, this is something that you should definitely consider again. You know, if it's a big thing, or if you know you're really not getting any movement, um. Groups, you know, pull groups together, create groups on Facebook or create groups in real life. You know, look at cases where it's happened to people before. As I said in, earlier on in this session, evidence logs, witnesses, outcomes that demonstrate the reason why this case should go ahead or the reason why this situation should go ahead. You know, it could be a health issue. It could be a financial issue. There's loads of reasons, but these are all, you know, real strong evidence that helps with your levels of advocacy. And as you go through whatever it is that you're doing, uh, whether you're pulling this information together from external sources or whether, whether it's your own data, just make sure that you keep records. So keep records of the information you're bringing to the table, but also keep records of the actual discussions, you know, even if it's just for like, let's say your interpersonal relationships, your friend, your partner, your family, you might just want to journal it. But at least if you make a note every time you've had this conversation with with your partner or with your friend, you can, you know, if you are getting to the point where you're thinking, okay, this really, I don't know, this isn't changing. We've had this conversation how many times before you can go back and you can say, okay, we've had it this time, this time, this time, this time. And you can use that again as an, either as an example to go back to the other party and say, look, we need to do this differently or we need to really focus on making this work because of x y and z and you can use your case history and your records to demonstrate that 
what you might also decide is this is an uphill battle. And then you can make a choice. And choice is super important because you can choose. Do you accept to continue in this situation as it is, knowing that you've put everything into this, you've had the conversations, you've done what you needed to do, you've done this whole self-advocacy piece and nothing has changed. You might decide, actually, I'm okay with it now. I've accepted it. I've come to terms with it. Or it might be absolutely nada. No, no, no. This is not happening. And so you say, it's the end. I've come to the end. I've done everything. I'm, 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 I'm spent. I cannot go anymore. And so that's when you need to decide, you know, are you accepting or are you rejecting? And the final point on the how, because this is so important, because what you've got to remember is what you want isn't always what everybody else wants. And what they want isn't always what everybody else needs. And so what we have to understand is that compromise is a is, is a key thing in life. So certain things we can't compromise on. You know, so for example, I'm going to use the example of my um, healthcare situation. I said, I want to have an endoscopy. And if I don't, if you don't refer me, I'm going to go to A&E. So that was kind of my um, self-advocacy to get the extra, um, you know, reviews and checks and measures that I needed. They then came back to me and said, okay, before we can do that, we need to put you through to a gastro consultant who will do an online, because this was during lockdown, so they will do an online assessment over the phone to rule out certain symptoms. They're going to go really deep into this. And once they've done that, they will then refer you. Are you okay with that? And I said, yes, because as far as I was concerned, that was something that needed to happen to move me to the next place. So there was a slight compromise. It was a bit of a middle ground, but I still got what I wanted. And, you know, sometimes you can use that compromise as a holding position or an interim solution. You know, so you you, you perhaps have that in place because something else isn't possible straight away. Or you might be trialing that to see whether that might work rather than going the whole way. So, again, you know, these interim solutions and holding options do always work. So, wow, this is the longest one I've ever done. But I really felt passionate about having this um information shared with you today because I really believe that self-advocacy is a huge 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 part of this whole ethos and philosophy of the hang on a moment podcast and you know you know what it is now and you know how to do it so you can be a master of self-advocacy and you can refer to this podcast whenever you need to demonstrate your voice and stand in your power but I just want to leave you with a very few um, reasons as to why you should adopt self-advocacy and why you shouldn't ignore it because um, ignoring it is not going to serve you. You know, you are just going to feel less and less in your power. You are going to feel less and less owning your own life. You know, you need to be the CEO of your own life. So why should you have self-advocacy? Well, of course, it's all about claiming your life. It's about standing in your power and using your voice. It's this whole thing about self-empowerment, agency, and owning yourself. If you don't self-advocate when you need to, you don't have any of those things at a time when you need those the most. So you must self-advocate. Also, it enhances your self-mastery muscle as well, and it builds your self-esteem. You know, so you won't be able to help but believe in yourself if you start operating with self-advocacy because you know that you can do this and you've got the courage to stand up for what you need in your life. And of course, all of that, all of this, everything that we've talked about in today's episode is going to lead to a greater outcome for your well-being, your confidence and your quality of life, whether that's in the health arena, whether that's at work, whether that's in your personal relationships, whether that's even with some of your suppliers, which obviously ultimately boils down to financial well-being, because you want to know that you're spending your money on a supplier that you trust and that trusts that 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 cares about you. You know, it has to be a reciprocal agreement. So you know, this is so important for your well-being, your confidence, and your quality of life. And also, when you self-advocate, actually, really, as you can gather from this whole episode, it gives you. Um, skills, skills that you might not have had before. It really helps you develop certain skills and you can add these to your CV. You know, these might be skills that you might be able to then go and take away and put into something else in your life. It helps you with research. It helps you understand legal and technical knowledge. 
It helps you problem solve. It really gets you into that space of critical thinking. It builds your communication. Wow, does this build your communication? Of course it does. And without a shadow of doubt, it's a confidence builder. So, you know, there's so many things that you can get, you know, you get a return from self-advocacy on so many levels. And I just wanted to say that I know two people who actually handled their own discrimination at work claims, neither of which were HR professionals, but they went away and they did all of this and they self-advocated and they won their cases, which is amazing. You know, my background is HR. Um, but I actually do believe in self-empowerment and I believe in fairness and I believe in equality and I believe in, in people doing what's right and getting what's right and being treated correctly. So I'm so glad that they won. I know their cases quite well, um, but they won, you know, and what this did with them is it built confidence in them. It was a great case study for them for future, even career opportunities. And, you know, it demonstrated to them their tenacity and their strength of character, which is amazing when you're going through a time in life where you feel like someone has literally quashed you and trodden on you like you don't mean that much if you rise up like a phoenix rising from the ashes what an amazing skill that is how great are you going to feel about what you've just done so you know the key thing to remember here is that anyone can do it with the right technique and i've just given you a list of everything you need to know and do and have within your toolkit to self-advocate and if you do this once you can do it again. And as I always say, every time you step up, you're not only inspiring yourself, but you are also inspiring others. So please don't forget, self-advocacy is for you, but it can have a complete ripple effect out to others who witness your successes. So I really hope that you've got quite a bit from this 50-minute episode. Wow, I don't think I'm going to beat this one. I'll try not to as well because I know that you like them shorter. But this is a little bit more of a masterclass, really, on how to self-advocate. So I really hope that you've got something from this. I would love to get some feedback from you. So as always, please do drop me some feedback into the DMs on social media or, you know, give this actual episode and the whole program a score, a rating. I'd love to get your feedback. And as always, do share. Please do share this and save it and download it because you never know when this might help you. So I'm going to love you and leave you. We're getting on to 52 minutes and I'm sure you're ready to go and make that next brew. Cup of tea or a cup of coffee or get yourself a glass of water. I know I am. I'm going to go straight for a glass of water. So enjoy the rest of your week and I really hope that you benefit from everything we've discussed today. And I believe in you. I know you can do it. You can do this. You've got this. Okay, guys. So take care until next time. Much love.